It should be very clear that if somebody does something brilliant in business, everyone else copies them like crazy. And before you know it, uh, that best practice is everywhere. Hello and welcome to episode two of The Edgecast, a podcast where we talk to industry professionals about what they're doing and how they use the power of film to do it. I'm Angus Wallace. I'm one of the production assistants at The Edge Picture Company. Our topic today is positive change. We have with us Tony Danker of Be The Business and Tufik Mashnuk of Network Rail. Tony Danker is Chief Executive Officer of Be The Business, the new business-led movement created to transform the UK's productivity. Be The Business is chaired by Sir Charlie Mayfield of the John Lewis Partnership, and it runs its campaign and programs across the country. Before Tony launched Be The Business, he had worked at The Guardian News and Media, first as their international director, and secondly as their chief strategy officer. Before this, Tony spent two years in public policy and was a policy advisor at HM Treasury. So, Tony, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here. So, start by explaining how Be The Business tackles positive change. Everybody works in a company that doesn't work as well as it should. And consequently, the biggest conversation around the water cooler in any company is we're just not good enough at X or it's too cumbersome Y or we can't make decisions around Z or we just can't innovate fast enough. This is this is one of the things that I find most interesting about taking on this role. Uh, when you say to a lot of people, oh, you know, you need to have a much more productive workplace, very often they think about sort of efficiency where, you know, staff are the problem and there's too many staff or we're not squeezing enough profit out or we're not squeezing enough efficiency out. The truth is the great stories of productivity success that we come across are where they genuinely leverage the collective talents of their workforce to find new answers. And by the way, those new answers can be on cost savings or they could be on service improvement. And what's really interesting is, you know, staff are not the problem, but they do have the solutions. And the best stories are when leadership and management of a company crowdsourced amongst the team. Where can we make more money? Where can we make more savings? How can the process be quicker? How can we improve customer satisfaction? What's the way we can basically improve the quality of this product? How could we do it faster? Because, you know, I mean, God, it sounds so obvious when you say it this way. The people that know the answer are usually the staff working on the day job. Now, sometimes you have transformative change in a company where a brand new idea or a totally different way of working or a completely innovative technology fundamentally transforms how a company works. That will happen from time to time. But most of the time, building a more productive company is about small and individual changes that people who work on those processes or products every day see room for improvement. And that spirit of continuous improvement, it's not glamorous, it's not, you know, AI totally changed my business, <laughs> but it's the stuff that works. So what would be your key piece of advice to business owners on how to implement positive change? So if you look at the dieting industry, the dieting industry used to sort of 10, 20 years ago, they'd show a picture of you, fat person that's on the verge of death, and then they show a picture of who you should be, which is supermodel, you know, either fantastic supermodel woman or bulky, incredibly muscly man. Yeah. And they realized that didn't work. 
the before because nobody the believes they're going to be a supermodel by taking X diet, and they realized over time that actually, if you could show the before picture, which is you know somebody who's not grossly obese but is actually somebody who looks a bit like me, he's got a belly that's just a bit too big, <laughs> and the after picture is not somebody who's body beautiful because that's never going to be me either, but it's somebody that actually is just in better shape and making progress. That's going to be more inspiring. The same is true about positive change in a business. You have to demonstrate to people that, yeah, okay, you're not going to be Rolls Royce overnight, but make a change, then make another, and then make another, and you start to build a much more successful business that knows how to change the small things every day. And by the way, it builds its own momentum and belief. So when I think about the companies that we've worked with in the last two years, all of them have built stories of small changes, small improvements, staff informing them, staff participating in them, staff being bonused for them. So just to give you some examples, there's uh, there's a great guy called Matt Carr who runs Carr's Pasties in Bolton with his brothers, inherited the business from their father. They had this massive big transformation plan about how the company was going to grow and they were just getting nowhere on it. It was sort of too complicated and the staff weren't engaged uh, with it. We gave them a mentor, a guy called Andrew Peters that worked at Siemens, ran one of Siemens' most productive plants And he worked with Matt and his brothers to develop a very simple plan that was going to be very clear about three changes they were going to make to the business. And I'm delighted to tell you the business is growing. And there are lots of businesses like that. Helen Tonks that once had Hydraulics Online has been on one of our virtual advisory boards where, you know, it's just her and her husband running this business. They haven't got access to all this best practice. And we've put around her, around a board table, three or four superb uh, experts in different elements of business to support her business. One of the best stories for what we're talking about today is a guy called Chris Blade who runs Cumbria Crystal. They make some of the most beautiful crystal glassware you will ever see uh, and one of the few luxury brands left in the world, in fact. And Chris came on one of our programs about productivity and really liked this idea of 1% improvements. So he went back uh, to the factory and he tasked the team with coming up with 1% improvements uh, every month. Uh, And if we could realize either 1% improvement in output or 1% savings uh, in cost, uh, the whole staff would get a bonus. Uh, And it worked. And in fact, over the course of uh, two years, he doubled the margin in the business. That's really exciting. You have a very impressive resume. What do you think is the largest positive change you've implemented within your career? Yeah, my, most of my work at, uh, at The Guardian was around growing The Guardian's international footprint. And, you know, we had these two very pioneering adventures, which I'm delighted to say have proved to be uh, incredibly successful in in the long run, which was opening The Guardian in America and opening The Guardian in Australia. Both digital editions, by the way. But both this huge, bold endeavor to go into completely new markets where there were existing readers. I don't know if you, when you were in Australia, sir, were ever reading The Guardian, but if you were, you were probably reading the English edition. So you sort of logged on as a Guardian reader and read about what was happening in Brentford, which didn't really make a lot of sense. And so we had this real attempt to try and work out how the Guardian could have a deep and local footprint in somewhere like the US and Australia. And I mean, that was almost 
the sum of the brief, and we had to innovate and understand what does it mean to be Guardian America, Guardian Australia. Uh, and we developed this formula, which was in, in retrospect seemed incredibly simple. And what we did was we wanted to find the perfect blend between being of the place. So we didn't want the Guardian in Australia to be Brits talking to Australians. We wanted it to be Australian voices. Uh, and we wanted it to be Australians writing for and talking to Australians. But we wanted it to have that Guardian sensibility, that Guardian brand. Uh, and so we had this sort of brilliant idea, which is not a new one for anyone that's ever done new markets, whereby all the editors, i.e. the people that weren't necessarily writing the articles or weren't necessarily sort of doing the videos, uh, all the editors that were sort of in the management role and, the, and setting the tone and sensibility came from London, mm -hmm. and all the journalists were Australian. Uh, and so over time, we started to fuse a, a, a blend and a brand that was Guardian Australia. It was truly of Australia by Australia, but it was very recognizably the Guardian and consistent with the global footprint. So those were really big change projects. They were big, positive missions that everybody was excited about to bring The Guardian to Australia at a time when Fairfax Media was in decline and the Murdoch Empire was in the incline. And that was a sort of very bold mission. It was a bold commercial mission because we were trying to build to the advertising community a far more digital offer than was being offered by Australian newspapers at the time. And for the staff, it was this incredibly bold new frontier of trying to work out what it was to be the Guardian in Australia. And, you know, the subject of this series, positive change, you know, people think about big, big ideas than that. How can we build, bring a positive change to our country or how can we make a positive change to our company? And that sounds like a very big notion. Uh, and it was in that, in that context. What would be your top three tips to our listeners to impart positive change to their business today? It's that idea of uh, everybody aligned behind the mission of what's of the change they're trying to drive, everybody informing it, and it not being so lofty and ambitious that it's unrealizable, but it being very achievable and it having this compounding effect that every time you make a change, you want to make another, and then you want to make two more, and you want to make three more. And that way, you can change a company's performance within six months to a year. Well, all the best to you, and thank you so much for joining us, Tony. I think we'll leave it there. Thanks a lot. The future we're creating is not just a reflection of today, but one that's different to today. And as a result, you're relying on human imagination. Up next, we have Tufik Mashnuk. Tufik Mashnuk is Program Director at Network Rail. He is also a lecturer at universities and colleges across the country. So Tufik, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. You are a lecturer and interact with the next generation of industry professionals. Can you tell us how you would impart positive change with your students? I really enjoy participating in, uh, with universities and colleges and that is because I see universities as offering a really unique place in society that you can't find anywhere else. I see it as a microcosm of uh, development, research, freedom to think differently, pushing ideas, challenging the way things are, uh, optimism, uh, testing boundaries in a way that doesn't easily exist in the commercial space or in other places in society. And I approach my lectures uh, and seminars at university with, with a style that tries to create a sharp contrast between a deep conceptual understanding of something and then a practical application. 
I feel if you don't understand the fundamentality of something, it becomes very hard to grasp the relevance of its practice. Mm-hmm. And a lot of teaching pre-assumes the fundamentality and it goes straight into the practice. And then we, I bring the practice in by reflecting on it, which makes it more real. So they complement each other. And I find that a lot more powerful and even more so when engaging with more mature students, so people who can reflect on their own experiences in particular. So for example, in, in some of the talks I give, I talk about projects and programs and I reflect on how all projects are fundamentally about change. And the world is the way it is and a project comes to do something different, to change it. And change is fundamentally uncertain. You know, we know the world as it is. We want it to be different in some way through this project. Uh, and the reason why it's uncertain is because the future doesn't exist. And the future we're creating is not just a reflection of today, but one that's different to today. And as a result, you're relying on human imagination to, uh, to conceive that, to design it, to plan it, to organize towards it, and then to manifest it and realize it in a way that works as intended. So that's kind of the fundamental challenge of every project, whether you're trying to write an essay, which is a you know, mini project in its own right to redeveloping your house to something as big as Crossrail. You've completed the accelerated leadership program with Network Rail. Can you give us your top three tips for success in business? I think first, a relentless clarity on purpose and vision, which is fundamental for organizing people. And not only does that orientate people who work for you or work with you, but by extension, I find solves many of the problems that occur as a result of organizational factors so you know in trying to organize tens or hundreds of people around an enterprise you'll have lots of real issues real challenges you're trying to solve but a lot of problems occur just from the nature of trying to organize people it's Mm. a really complex thing and it's really easy if you're doing something on your own if you're doing it with two or three once there's 400 500 the way you do that needs to change Uh, and i find clarity of purpose and vision which is something you have to be relentless about, is a fundamental way to help do that. But it also gives something to be excited and energized about. I think it's quite sad to not be energized by by what you do in some way. Absolutely. And if you're trying to solve complex problems or create something interesting or new, you need to be energized and motivated and have some sort of clarity of vision and, and purpose. The second would be really focusing on creating deeply collaborative environments that need to become fundamentally the fabric of how the team operates. Without creating a collaborative environment, it's really hard to do that. And it's fundamentally about a number of key things, which is having clarity of purpose, otherwise people are chaotic all over the place, and creating joint incentives where people are really aligned and they see success in each other's success, whether it's individual or multi-organizational, and creating a trusting environment. So trust is a fundamental thing. And trust is something that you can be active around, you know, which is about showing vulnerability, showing integrity, being consistent in your behavior. And as a result, growing that trust and that security consciously. The the Harvard Business Review have some really interesting research on how high-performing teams create secure environments because it allows people to be really creative and to really give their full potential. And the third one, I would say believing in people recognizing that we are all human beings and we all have a range of capabilities and weaknesses, aspirations and and insecurities and whatever. You know, when I reflect on my own career, I find that times when I was believed in most is when I really thrived beyond my own perception of my own capabilities. 
in empowering people, I see that through the lens of how can we create an environment where we believe in people. We set direction and vision, create the environment, and then really set people off that they can be uh, more than what they think they are. Finally, if you were going to give our listeners one piece of advice on how to impart positive change on their career today, what would that be? I believe in trying to absorb as much as you can from the learning of others. So by by absorbing from other people, it allows you to maximize your time beyond the time that's actually passed. So you get to learn and grow beyond the physical time that's actually been allocated to you, which I think is uh, really powerful. Well, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us, Tufek. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much for listening and don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to get episodes of The Edgecast, our latest films and indispensable industry insights straight to your inbox.